I'm Justin Crow, founder of Parting Stone, and this is the Death Care Decoded podcast. In this podcast, we explore trends in the death care profession by sharing valuable insights by industry thought leaders. Our mission is to bring forward-thinking education to death care professionals. This week, we talk with Tanya Scotizi, professor of funeral service education at Miami-Dade College about all things mortuary science education. Our conversation covers why training is so important in the rapidly evolving field of death care, how funeral education is changing, and what funeral directors can expect from recent graduates of mortuary school. You're jumping into a conversation with myself, Alexandra Joe, culture manager at Parting Stone, and Tanya Scotisi. Um, so in our conversation the other day, I I really loved hearing about death education in general. I, I really loved hearing about your students and how you found a path to teaching mortuary science and like what even that degree is. So I'd love to start by talking about that and maybe start off with the question about just, I don't know, what is mortuary science? What is a mortuary science degree and why do funeral directors need it? Okay, so great question. So first of all, um, the mortuary science programs that are available in the United States um, for folks that want to become funeral directors and or embalmers, there's approximately 57 programs nationwide. And for most schools, it's a two-year degree of an associate in science. Some schools refer to them as funeral service education. Other schools, it's mortuary school, mortuary school education. So you may hear different terms depending on the state. But for most students, um, they want to be helping in the funeral field in some shape, way, or form. So for most, they start off with a minimum of a two-year associate degree in science in whatever the uh, state is offering or the school is offering. All the mortuary schools are governed by the American Board of Funeral Service Education, which means that all of the schools that are accredited by the American Board, the ABFSE, are all under the same curriculum. So it means like, for example, if you are in school in, let's say, um, Connecticut, and you are somebody else's in school in Florida, you all have the same books, the same material that are given. Also, for folks that um, really have a passion to do more, our profession really sees, I would say, probably a third of our students come in in maybe taking over a family business or, you know, needing to get their funeral director license to um, pursue further as far as the family business. Second group of students also um, enjoy maybe coming out of a helping profession such as um, EMS, medical, education. So we have some, for example, high school principals. I have a few pastors in the classes. So really in the helping profession aspect. And then last but not least, um, and I think Justin, you and I had talked about this in my, um, my other group are my goth-like students. And they really have a fashion, I, I don't want to say fashion, fashion and passion for death care. <laughs> and um, you know, a lot of tattoos, a lot of piercings, and it's like the non-traditional a funeral director. So that's kind of how the field is broken down. And um, I've been, uh, I was kind of um, came into the profession and I think I shared with you, Alexandra, it's all started with the chandelier. So I got the chandeliers on <laughs> and the chandeliers actually inspired me when I went to my first wake at the age of 12 to really just, I loved what I saw. I was greeted by the men in black with the chandeliers above me. 
And I ended up as a non-traditional student. Uh, my daughter was seven when I entered More Choice School. So you're never too late to go to school. And I was uh, in my early 30s, I believe, at the time. My daughter's probably going to be 28 or is going to be 28 this year. And I just um, had a passion and a calling to um, just go into the funeral profession. I knew nothing about it. And when I, um, I actually ended up in the medical field, so for about nearly 20 years, I had been on the management side of medical offices. And then one day out of the clear blue, after my visitation that I had gone to when I was 12 with the chandelier episode, I just contacted a funeral home out of the blue and just wanted to know what they were and what they called themselves and, and found myself enrolled in a mortuary school program. So that's how I spent the majority of my um, earlier academic years. And then once I got finished with school, um, you take a national board exam, which allows you to be a funeral director in pretty much most of the states in the United States, and then followed by a one-year internship. And, and then I was licensed, and I worked at Farley Funeral Homes and Crematory on the west coast of Florida, which is where I had done my internship and had my funeral service career actually in industry. And um, I just had stayed in school. I was, again, such a late bloomer that when I finally got the knack of it, uh, it wasn't too overwhelming, but it was overwhelming at first. And I just stayed in there. And um, so when I finally graduated um, back in 2015, um, that's when I started really deciding where I wanted to spend, let's say, the next 20 years if it's going to be in the funeral home setting. And I really felt that just for the time and energy put into academia, it was time to give back to the upcoming funeral directors. And that's how I landed my position at Miami-Dade College. That's such a cool way to phrase it because we talk about the death industry as a service industry, but teaching is also. So you kind of have that going on in both realms, which is really great. And I'm, I'm really curious, you mentioned um, a bit ago that like, there are different states that have different requirements. And as far as my research goes, it kind of varies across the board about what states require education and which ones don't. Um, like California, I, I honestly think like I could become a funeral director in California right now if I have $200 and can pass a written exam and like that's all it takes, right? But then in Texas, I have to go through school. I have to fill out applications. I have to become certified. I have to do a year-long internship, I have to have different locations, and so on and so forth, and it seems a lot more convoluted, and, like, all of the, I don't know, and Justin, I think you mentioned that one state actually is now starting to require a four-year bachelor's degree to become a licensed yeah, think, funeral director. I think Ohio and Minnesota both require four-year bachelor degrees. And so, I think we wanted to ask you, like, in your opinion as an educator, in this field, is there such thing as too much education or like not enough? And what, what do you think is the necessary amount for a funeral director to have? So I think for the most part, the schools that offer the two year. And so how the schools actually break it down, it's broken down into the arts and to the sciences. So the arts section of our profession is more along the lines of the funeral history, funeral management, funeral directing, um, the accounting, basically like all of the, I don't want to say soft skills, but soft skills, where the sciences is more along the lines of the embalming, restorative art, chemistry, pathology, anatomy, microbiology. 
So the two years with an associate's degree, it does give students a well-rounded aspect of both. And then most states, if they require it, that one-year internship. So in essence, with a quote-unquote two-year academic degree plus a one-year internship, they can really come out with a pretty good career for themselves, especially for folks not liking school or not wanting to pursue the whole bachelor's degree. My vision for the entire funeral service, I would say industry, as far as the education side, would have it more streamlined to where there's not such discrepancies from state to state, but more uniform. On the practicing side, what we also see is the guidelines for each state, for example, how long a um, how long the time frame is before you can actually cremate somebody is different from state to state. How long a doctor has to sign a death certificate can vary from state to state. So there are some discrepancies, not discrepancies, just differences, you know, from where you are. And then depending on if somebody moves from one state to the other, um, some states, the reciprocity um, is easier to get than others. So, for example, some if someone's licensed in another state, they can literally just take an exam, pay some fees and, you know, with a background check and get you know licensed in the state that they want. Where some of the other, um, they may have to, like, for example, retake an exam or get licensed by the rules and regs of each state. So I understand on the state level, things may be different, but my vision for the uh, funeral service programs, I would just like to see more of consistency. So I don't believe the bachelor's degree is really, I don't want to say it's not offering anybody anything more, but the field, I don't think really recognizes it. I mean, maybe to an owner to say, okay, come, somebody comes in with a bachelor's degree versus an associate's. But for the amount of schooling that's required, I don't think in my personal experience, there's anything to warrant that extra two years of school. Now, if somebody's a lifelong learner like I've become, that's a different conversation, you know, just to, to get those degrees. But somebody that just wants in and out as quickly as possible, um, the two year is pretty much adequate. Um, but I also think that there should be more recognition for the schools that do offer the baccalaureate degree and or a master's degree as far as like what does the student gain more out of those degrees so if you're going to put your time and money and energy and you know taking night classes working a full-time job what are you getting like what does the field see value in that so if they saw value or if there was a reason then most definitely i i really like that answer um and and especially in terms of like recognizing different levels of success or level levels of knowledge based on the level of degree, which seems, which seems obvious, but it seems like the state regulations are blurring that a little bit. And do you, do you think that a, a bachelor degree is getting more or different education than associates? And if so, what is it? On the baccalaureate degree, I, I for me, like I'm pro-education. So I always encourage students, even when they finish, you know, at Miami-Dade, to look at other options, explore other, even if it's not funeral service per se. For example, some folks like to go more on the crime scene side or work for the medical examiner. So they may pursue other degrees that are more relative to their field. Also, there's a lot of funeral directors that maybe want to go the business route. So they go into like business administration. Maybe they get an MBA. They want to open up their own funeral home. I would just like to see more, um, I don't know, I want I would say value or appreciation for the degree. Um, but, but to get back to your question is, 
I think the ones that do offer the baccalaureate degree probably have more maybe of the management side. But but again, on the field, like as a hiring manager, as an owner, I don't know if it's warranted. I don't know if that's going to guarantee somebody a higher salary. Like So that's where I would like to have a conversation to say where, you know, what does it offer a student that is putting in the additional two years? Now, some some students have, some states rather have opened up, Florida has won, where students coming in with a minimum of a two-year degree in another field can choose to go to get the funeral director license only without the embalming. So that does open the window and conversation to say, you know, maybe somebody can almost get like a backdoor entry into the field. Um, but I would just like to see, you know, I guess more uniformity um, as far as the profession. Um, another interesting conversation is the fact that if, you know, there's a lot of like different facets and components within the funeral service program or, or profession rather. So for example, we have, you know, a lot of times we're working with doctors and medical examiners, something goes wrong, you know, funeral homes or families can, you know, bring lawsuits forward. So most of those other fields such as medical and legal um, have much higher degrees than the funeral service professionals are required to have. So it's almost like it's not an even uh, playing field, so, so to speak. And I don't know, I would just, I would like to see more advanced degrees available, but with a value component to say, what is this going to do for somebody that actually does pursue a, let's say if we offered a baccalaureate or master's degree, or even a you know further degree in specifically funeral services. Yeah, that seems... That seems to make a lot of sense. And I definitely see what you're saying as far as like more consistency across the industry in this whole country, you know, because um, I feel like if someone were to want to be a funeral director, then they might even move states to a place where it's easier to do that faster or cheaper to, where you don't have to do a whole four year degree. Um and that so that state's going to be attracting more um, of I don't I don't want to say better, but at least more uh, mortuary school students um, than other states where it has um, stricter requirements. Um, I could see that happening. Um, so that all of what you said makes absolute sense to me. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a question based on something you mentioned earlier, which I thought was interesting, which was the the degrees really split into art and science. And I'm wondering, you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, have you seen a shift in what is relevant or most important in particular, keeping looking at this shift and this rise, this pretty rapid rise in cremation uh, over the last 30 years? Is there, and it seems like to me that, that, um, things like embalming are being becoming less prevalent and things like cremation are becoming more prevalent. Um, is the industry or the, or the education space shifting uh, in line with those needs or is it, or is it staying static or, or what do you see there? So my subjective opinion on that is I see that there's pockets of, for example, communities, cities, and states that are perhaps because of religious preferences more specific to burial versus cremation. 
So in Florida as a state, we see a much higher statistic across the entire state of Florida, but it's a large state. So there are pockets specifically here in Miami that, for example, offer funeral homes very traditional services. They do not have high cremation rates based on religious or cultural preferences of that community. So overall, my opinion is that even though nationwide cremation is on the rise, you're still always probably going to have the religions that are um, opposing cremation or are it's not recommended, not preferred, or even prohibited. What I experience and what my students share with me is the students that are going for the funeral director only certificate are kind of facing maybe challenges with somebody that's a funeral director and bomber, meaning that it almost reminds me of the conversation back in the day, like, well, I walked five miles to school in the snow. And some like kind of old school funeral directors feel that the new people should do the same. Or my apprentices was, you know, my apprenticeship or internship was, you know, washing cars and, you know, changing light bulbs. And it's almost like this rite of passage. So it's very interesting because I think you have some you know, I'm not going to say old school, seasoned, seasoned funeral directors. That's a good word. So seasoned people that feel a certain way. So the new folks almost sometimes don't have a chance because it's like they're already being like kind of opposed, like, oh, you're not an embalmer. Well, does that mean anything less or more in, if you're only doing funeral directing? Like, but yet if you talk to a seasoned funeral director, they would say, yes, it does matter because there's the nitty gritty behind it. Um, the way I share the field with incoming students and I have actually quite a few this semester, is I personally like to think of the field as one and not segregated into arts and sciences for the reason being that I've seen so many people kind of pigeon themselves into, for example, let's say just the embalming side to where they only want to embalm, they have no interest in funeral directing. Well, on the embalming side, being it can physically tax your body. You know, you're standing a lot, your back can hurt. Um, there's a lot of physical things that can happen. So I spoke to embalmers that have been in the field 20, 30, even 40 years to where now their physical limitations because of the work that they've done, it can't support them being on their feet for that amount of time. They're looking to do something different, but yet they don't have the soft skills to meet a family and do arrangements because they pigeonhole themselves so much on the embalming side. And likewise, this, the flip side happens too with funeral directors that are not embalming every day. Um, you know, you kind of lose that skill and it's, you know, maybe like riding a bike at some point, you can regrasp it. But I just think, you know, I love the field. Like I just, I'm so passionate about funeral service and what it offers. And I think most people don't even know that the, that the actual profession exists. So that would be my aspiration is to have the profession recognized more by, by lay people. It always amazes me. We are one of three programs in the entire state of Florida at Miami-Dade College. And yet people would be prior to COVID when we were in person, even folks on our own campus did not know that we offer a mortuary science program right in their campus. So it's, it's fascinating to me. And I don't know if it's denial that no one knows or like, you know, it's just, I think there should be more marketing about the field because you go to college fairs, you know, for kids wanting to pursue, like most people know, if you ask even probably an eighth grader, you know, what does it take to be an attorney or a doctor or a firefighter or something? Like most people have an idea. 
funeral directing, people are like, oh, you have to go to school for that? Or what's that? Like, no one even knows what we do. So it's kind of funny. It's yeah, funny. I, I went to the dentist this morning and they asked what my job was. And I was like, oh, I, just, I work in the death care space. And they were like, what's that? Like, they didn't even understand what something as general as the death care space meant. So, yeah, that's so funny. How I was I was about to tell a really similar story about how I went <laughs> to get my hair cut today. And I said I was I said I was planning to go to a death conference. And she started my the, the hairdresser just started laughing. And I was like, what? And she's like, a death conference. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, I forget people don't know that that exists to, to your point, Tanya. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. So, so how, how do we get the word out there? I mean, one thing that as a newcomer to this space, I'm super passionate about is not just changing the conversation around contemporary, like, death rituals and practices, but normalizing it. Like, I feel like historically people aren't very comfortable talking about death or thinking about death. And I think the pandemic has changed that some, but I, and like, you know, death fluencers or death influencers coming onto like social media scenes have changed that a lot. Right. But like, how else, how do we do that? You know, how do we, how do we get people to think about a career in, you know, funeral serving, funeral service industry? I love marketing, like marketing and networking are like my very two passions in addition to funeral services. And I just think, you know, more awareness and opportunities and really, you know, kind of, ex you know, maybe targeting like high school students to say that this is a field, this is a profession. Um, because again, most people, and you have a third of the students that are actually in it because their family business is in it. So it really, you know, that's almost like a narrow um, segment. So I think, you know, marketing, networking, just, you know, talking about that it is a profession and it's probably one of the oldest professions. I mean, I mean, death has been around as long as birth. <laughs> so, I mean, as you know, and it's, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, we are like the oldest profession out there and, um, but yet so few people know about it. And the other interesting thing is that United States as a whole is, has a more of a profession related around it. Where when you start going into you know other countries, it's still primarily done by either the families or the family caring for their loved one, not a funeral home establishment. So the rules and regs and laws and um, you know education also that's a whole other you know differences and different conversation because not all countries even offer a program in death care. So if you speak to somebody. Um, from another country, they might say like, well, like you have a school for that? Or like, we just do that on our own. Obviously it's different, but our, but here in the States, it's definitely, you know, um, a profession. At Miami-Dade, we do see, we have a um, high international population. So I have a lot of students, um, you know, from Jamaica, from Curacao, from the Bahamas. So from different parts that are actually wanting to pursue a degree. Um, so I just think, to answer your question, Alexander, I think just more, awareness, education, and just promoting it, promoting it as like, even, you know, somebody that's in eighth grade should know that, you know, being a mortician or funeral director is an option. And that's another funny thing. Our vocabulary within our field is so regional. So for example, like people up in New England may refer to a 
like when you go visit the deceased as like awake or visitation, where other parts may call it calling hours. So even people in the same field don't even know what the other one is talking about because it means two <laughs> different things. And then you get into, you know, coach versus hearse or, um, you know, there's other words, but like our own vocabulary, like we don't even know ourselves. <laughs> this is what we do every day. That's hilarious. That would be such a funny like survey to send out. Like, what do you call this? And like map, make a map of it, you know, like uh, the terms. Um, I oh, love but that I, idea. We, we should, we do should that. do that. Yeah. Okay. I'll make a note. We should do that. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, thank you, Sandra and Justin. And uh, it's always a pleasure in uh, connecting with you both. And I always love and uh, appreciate you coming into the classroom and talking with our funeral service education students at Miami-Dade College. And um, they're always so um, appreciative of your expertise and uh, love to hear what's going out in Santa Fe. Oh. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And I really enjoy the... Uh... I really enjoy presenting and I love the energy that you start your students bring to my day every semester when I get to do that. So super appreciative of that. This production is brought to you by Parting Stone, who wants to remind you that when your families choose cremation, they don't have to receive cremated remains. <laughs>